Hello, Charlie. Dr. Bruner. Hello, Raymond. Did you feel a little more relaxed in your favorite Kmart clothes? Tell him, Ray. Kmart sucks. I see. This is the Cutline Podcast with your host, Michael Cavalunis. It's hot, it's humid, Bermuda greens, it's still Florida. And the Honda Classic is typically played in February, but here we are at the Bear Trap after an exciting Players' Championship. PGA National, the Champions Course, will play host to what should be an amazing tournament, and the cut line is here to break it down. The bear trap. Woo! Good, baby. Very good. Hello, Canada. Hello, USA. Hello, UK. Hello, Australia. Hello, Germany. Netherlands. Hola, Spain. Hello, Singapore. I want to give a shout out to Florida, Cali, New York, New Jersey, Nevada, Texas, Illinois. We'll even give love to you, Indiana. And Ryan Kaiser still living up in Minnesota. But guess what? We'll give you some love this week. Why don't you get some winners, man? Why don't you get some winners? But... But the most gratitude goes to Stan's Wine. I threw this up on Twitter, but there is no better gift that this podcast has ever received than their own bottle of wine with their show logo as the label and billboard of such an excellent, excellent vintage prestige drink. Yet more importantly, the, the, the wine is delicious. It's bold. The tannins taste as though they were driven through heaven. Even your glass is sad when the last drop is gone. You thought they made fine wine in Napa? Now, Italy? No chance. Nothing comes close to Stan's wine. Thank you for the wine, boys. Thank you, Rich. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now something endearing to my heart. Fill out a form just to throw something in the garbage? That sucks. Beavis, you're a stupid dumbass. Ass clown. Dumbass! You dumbass! You're a dumbass! Such a dumbass! You are a colossal ass hat. Oh, oh no, I beg to differ. Oh dear God. You see? My name's Billy, and I just won King of the Ring, but there's one problem. Everybody still thinks that I absolutely suck! Your fiancé is an asshat. He's not an asshat. Watch your language, okay? Oh, what language? Mr. Dumbass, I can bring a lot to Dumbass and Dumbass. I'm a go-getter. Dumbass material all the way. So, am I your man, Mr. Dumbass? So we don't do this bit every week, but to make you guys aware, this show last week said, do not play Patrick Cantlay, do not play Tony Finau, 
The field was loaded. You dumbasses ruined all your lineups playing that chuck. Just saying I told you so. Told you so. Don't be a dumbass. That's all I gotta say about that. Whew. I feel better. Let's do a word, uh, word from our sponsor. Hi, my name is George. I'm here to talk to you today about Gorilla Tango Novelty Meats, new product, Big Hot Dog. Tired of the same old traditional tiny hot dog? Well, now there's new Big Hot Dog. Big Hot Dog solves all the problems inherent to tiny hot dogs. When you put tiny hot dogs on a plate, grill, or other cooking device, because of their round shape, they roll all over the place, and many end up on the ground. What a waste! <laughs> tiny hot dogs have to be cooked long enough to heat up the center, usually causing the outside to become black and charred. Gross! Tiny hot dogs burst through their buns, leaving your hands, face, and clothes an absolute mess. Yuck! Tiny hot dogs come in packages of six, while their buns come in packages of eight. What the heck? You know what they smell like? Smell your fingers right now. Oh. Now, you may be asking yourself, won't a big hot dog have all the same problems as a tiny hot dog, just bigger? Well, a case study from a major university found that you're wrong. Wrong. You're wrong. Big hot dogs have been engineered by a certified meat specialist to be better than tiny hot dogs in all ways. What's the secret? The secret is that the big hot dog is sliced into patties for cooking and eating per the consumer's desire. Got a big hunger? Cut a big slice. Got a tiny hunger? Cut a tiny slice. You know what? I wake up in the morning and I need a little something for breakfast. The first thing I reach for is my monster hot dog. This hot dog is the biggest and the baddest in the industry. Nothing comes close to the flavor and just how filling it really is. BigHotDog.com is the only web source to get these bad boys. So get yours today. I'm Michael Campbell-Lunas, at Lunas, on Twitter, L-I-U-N-A-S. And looking back at the players, I am not upset with my lineups, but I'm upset at the fact that I wasn't more aggressive with my fades. Let's jump into the good, the bad, and the ugly. First of all, the good. JT, Rom, DeChambeau, called him on Twitter, by the way. Love those plays. Called them out last week, said they were excellent plays, but the number one good was, I told you guys to fade Tony Finau. Chalk donkey, boom. Check it off. I told you to fade Patrick Cantley. Boom. Chalk City. Get him out of there. It's the players, man. I told you guys to fade all chalk. Fade the strong. Like the strong supposed plays because of how strong this field was. Now, JT, a little chalky, did end up winning. That's fine. But he was nowhere near at the, at the level of Patrick Cantley. Nowhere near at the level of Tony Finau. I'll take it, man. Those can't do it last week. I wish I was more aggressive. I would have took bigger stands other places and probably done much better last week with my lineups, but that's okay. Walking out of the players without losing everything, that is a win in itself because that course is violent. Whew. 
and does things to golfers' minds. Anyways, the bad, we're going to go with DJ. I thought he was a solid play, a good pivot from what was like the usual line of construction. Um, he just didn't play well, and he's been struggling these last two tournaments out, but of course, I'm sure he'll fix it up by Augusta, but he was the bad. And then, of course, the ugly, the MG. I did not have a lot of confidence in that 6K range based on the strength of the field, but man, I, I know Naismith killed a couple of my lineups, and he probably killed your lineups, but guess what? Going back to him. Whew. Cutline is here to bring you in-depth analysis of the Honda Classic. We're gonna do the best we can. If you're blue and you don't know where to go to, why don't you go where fashion sits? To make sure you're cashing big on Sunday. In addition, we'll be sure to bring in timely wax, greenside sand traps, and a putt that might drop in through the back door. And the cut line's going to do what it does best. Make sure that you're cashing big, taking names, kicking ass, chewing bubble gum, and getting six of six through the cut line. But if you need leverage, I know I'm going to be checking out Fanshare Sports and FanshareSports.com, even with my own personal ownership projections. I know that a second opinion is incredibly important. The guys I trust, Fanshare Sports. So if you're not subscribed, there's a very easy fix. Go to FanshareSports.com, sign up, and in the discount option, write the word cutline, and you'll receive 20% off your monthly membership. Ownership is a leverage not to be belittled. And of course, we need to give a shout out to PGA Tour and Fantasy National. You want to build better, stronger lineups. My process starts with these three sources, Fanshare Sports. PJ Tour and Fantasy National it gives me a huge leg up when compared to the rest of the industry. You like winning? You like the fire, the fuego, the money? Use these resources, guys. Use them. Devlin McGregor brought you Provasic. PGA Tour is going to give you the Honda Classic. We stay in Florida. And it finally seems that DraftKings is delivering a field that is, dare I say, way too weak. When looking at the past few weeks, still pricing is difficult to navigate. Winners in the field include Ricky Fowler, Sung J M, who won last year. But nothing to me is more important than this course breakdown. PJ National, Southeast Florida, 80 miles north of Miami, just south of Jupiter. It's a par 70, 7,100 yard course typically ranks in the top 10 in difficulty on PGA Tour with an average of one stroke over par. There are two par fives and, of course, Bermuda grass greens. Thick, gnarly, though only two inches rough with 67 bunkers that litter this course. Elevated, contoured, big, big, huge Bermuda greens. Water that's in play on 15 holes, so plenty of contention here where you can just take a bath and say, whoop, my day is done. Of course, screens and regulation, wind management, and Bermuda putting are only a few keys of performance requirements. Man, this place always ranks in the top 10 in the terms of the toughest. In the past 10 years, minus 6 to minus 13 have won this tournament. Now, weather forecast, looking windy, 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 and windy. So make sure you dial up those wind players. Careful out there. Key stats I'm looking at. Ball striking, scrambling, strokes gain around the green, par four scoring, greens in regulation gain, strokes gain T to green, and strokes gain approach. But the best question we could ask ourselves is, who 
do we need to play this week? He's two punts from victory. Only needs one. Ooh, got a member's bounce there, boys. That's birdie all day long. This is the Cutlines Birdie or Better segment where we look at the top 11K range all the way down through the 7K range looking for your best plays, best chances to win. And we're going to dive right into that top tier of Sung J.M., Daniel Berger, Lee Westwood, Joaquin Neiman, and Adam Scott. I really like three of the five of these golfers here. And the first one is our defending champ, Sung J.M. And he looked good last weekend. He did finish 17th of the Players' Championship. Of course, last uh, last year we know he finished first in 2020. Of course, 51st in 2019. But the thing I like, I love his approach game. He's solid in the last 48, 48 rounds. Ranks top 13 in my model. In my overall stat model, does rank number 20. But in my confidence, ranks number 4. Vegas loves him, of course. But they're giving Daniel Berger the odds right now. We can flip-flop them, of course. But Sungjae obviously comes into play is a strong option the terminator but he's at 1100 he is going to be highly owned i wouldn't be surprised if he has that 20 22 percent and if you don't think he can win back-to-back titles i understand that and that is a solid cause for you know putting him in less lineups being underweight to the field still sungjay is the terminator we we've seen him dominate this course before similar style courses he ranks second in my projection model and of course in the official world golf rankings currently sitting number 17 so sungjay m is going to be popular followed suit by daniel berger who might be even more popular because he's 200 cheaper and realistically has the same upside you look at his uh Made cut percentage to make three of the last five cuts here at the Honda Classic with an average finishing position of 23rd place. But the key thing is looking at him winning at the AT&T Pro-Am, the WGC Mexico finished 35th, and finished top 10 last week at the Players' Championship. Burger's looking good, man. Burger's hard to fade in this spot. I'm not going to avoid him. Um, he looks solid. My aggregate model ranks number one. Confidence model number one. Overall stat model ranks number two. In terms of my scoring, ranks number two in the last 12 rounds, number six in the last 50. And the approach model ranks number two overall. Getting off the tee ranks number three. So this is Daniel Berger's tournament, in my opinion, to win. There are ways to leverage him in terms of betting if you don't want to play him, and it makes maybe more sense to kind of get diversity in your lineups. But if you look even at the last 36 rounds, eighth off the tee, seventh in birdies are better gained, eighth in ball striking, 8th in Tita Green, 14th in good drives gain. And the only thing he's really struggled with, and he's kind of mediocre in the field, is driving distance, and it's something you don't need here. It's something you don't need here. So Daniel Berger is in play for me this weekend. And then, of course, we're going to go down to Adam Scott. Where, oh, where have you gone, Mr. Scott? You've disappeared, vanished, vanquished, right? Did make the cut the players, but finished 48th. WC Mexico, 54th at the Genesis, 38th, so nothing to write home about. But we're talking about a guy who won this tournament in 2016 and then two top 15 finishes in 2017, 2018, followed by a miscut in 2019. A miscut here does not bother me as much as it would at other courses. The fact is it's a difficult course. It's a difficult track to play. I like the fact that Adam Scott's coming in with three made cuts. We could see the upside, but here is an ownership leverage play. Historically, Scott. An amazing approach player. 
but in the last 12 rounds, ranks 84th in the field. That's going to improve. I'd rather be on it when it does than on it after it does. And my overall stat model ranks 23rd. My aggregate model ranks number 17. My confidence model ranks number 13. So there's a lot to say here. But the thing I love the most in terms of the course style, tournament style projection, he ranks number one. In my weekend projection, in my course projection, he ranks top 10. So Adam Scott here at $10,100. I love him. Looking at Neiman, here's the thing. He's been on record saying how he hates Florida courses, and I get it. He played so well at the WGC Mexico. Last weekend, we saw the wheels start to fall off. And if you look at it, in this field, in the last 12 rounds, he ranks 31st in approach, okay? 25th in scoring. You want to spend $10,400 for a guy who I was saying was eventually going to win? I don't think it's going to be here. I don't. You look at his course history, Missed the cut last year, 59th the year before that. Coming in a decent form, but I am a little sketch. I'd rather eat the chalk and M and burger than going down to Neiman. All right, so we're going to go to the 9K range, and there's a lot of plays here. But I like Henley, I like Gooch, I like Lowry, I like Tringale. I don't really like Kirk here, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Looking at... These four, though, Henley, Gooch, and Lowry, and Tringali. First of all, Shane Lowry, what, you just show up last weekend, man. You just show up with a top 10 finish. I've been touting you like early in the season, and then all of a sudden you show up the players. But that's golf, man. That's golf. That's how it rolls. But you look at their course history, the average finish for Russell Henley. We're going back up. And Taylor Gooch, top 30 for the both of them. And they have made at least two cuts, respectively. Lowry's made the cut here three times with only one top 25 finish at 21st place. Of course, at 9,200, it's not going to cut it. It's not going to cut it. You need him to finish top 10, but I like the upside. And then Tringali's just really coming into his own. All right. First of all, he's a solid win player. So that's what I like about Cameron here. And he is just excellent in approach right now. In the last 50 rounds, he ranks number one in my approach model. In the last 12 rounds, number two. So he's been very consistent throughout here. Um, looking at him in my overall stat model, he ranks number three, aggregate model number two, confidence model number three. Where he doesn't show up, though, is in the projections model. Yes, on the weekend projection, I got him for 10th. But for this course, specifically, 57th. And then the style, 81st. So I do have some hesitations, some cautions. All these guys are coming in very chalky, with the lone exception of Taylor Gooch, because... Let's be honest, guys. If I told you I paid $9,300 for Taylor Gooch, you'd be like, what are you thinking? But that's how weak this field is. So Gooch is in play for me, and that's the 9K range. So we're going we're gonna to go down in the 8K range, and I'm, I am I feel so silly saying this. I am going to play Ricky Fowler this weekend. His form is brutal. It really is, right? Yeah, You, you just look at it. Miscut at the players. 72nd at the API. 20th at the Genesis. Miscut at the AT&T program. But it's hard to avoid the course history here. Yes, miscut last year, but second, miscut. First, sixth. His approach is terrible. Like, bottom of the barrel in the last 50 rounds. Near the bottom, if not one of the worst in the last 12 rounds. Because he has no approach game, he can't score. Because he's not scoring, his putter ranking is awful. But 
if Ricky Fowler, if you believe Ricky Fowler's going to turn it around, this might be the tournament where he can actually do it. Right now, he's not in the Masters, and I don't play narratives. I don't play narratives here. I, I think of like golfer's psyche, and right now, he's got to be in a spot as a professional golfer that is just devastating. It's torturous. Can he come out of it? I hope so. I think golf's a better game with Ricky Fowler being good, being part of a cut, being part of Sunday, yet it's hard to buy into it. I think he's going to be chalky. Now, if that's the case, yes, I'll, I'll say fade and I'll bet him and, and go in a different route. But if he comes in single digits, you you have to go that route. Going down to Doug Gim, the Gim Reaper at 8,800. All right. Gimme. Woo. Had some of the best responses, by the way, to the media last week. Ranked sixth most recent form in the last 36 rounds. Sixth in approach, ninth in birdies of better gain, tenth in ball striking, sixth in strokes gained, T to green, 13th in good drives gained. On top of that, okay, you look at the course history. He played here last year, missed the cut his first time here. I'm okay with that. Like I said, this is a tough track. You missed a cut here. You were trying. It's just the track got you that those first two rounds. 29th at the players, 36th at the API, missed the cut at the Genesis. I'm okay with that. But 21st at the ATT Pro-Am. Doug Gibson played. My favorite part right now, single-digit ownership for a guy who could win this tournament. Again, 8800 It's uncomfortable paying this much money for some of these guys because we never see them up here. But this is a weak field. Gim, for me, is in play. The next two guys I want to mention, Brandon Steele, Cameron Davis. Both of these guys, again, they're going to have double-digit ownership, and a lot of these AK guys are. I think you're going to see a lot of balance builds this week because, honestly, those guys in the low sevens, those guys in the 6K range, a lot of people don't know. So they're not going to dive down to that range. They're not going to play these guys. But you look at Steele and his course history, of course you're going to jump on that. Of the three or four made cuts in the last five years, he's got an average finishing position of 11th place. You look at his recent form, he has made four of four straight cuts of the last six tournaments. For Cameron Davis, same thing. Average finishing position at 34th with an eighth place finish last year, but he is coming off two missed cuts. But it's not like his approach game is off. He ranks 16th in the field in the last 12 rounds in his approach and 26th in the field in scoring. So a lot of people are going to be concerned about those mixed cuts. It might reduce his ownership, might not. We'll see come Wednesday when we finally uh, run it on uh, Fanshare Sports for that final run through. But it, it's interesting to say. Of course, Matt Wallace, Keegan Bradley, Keimer, Fratelli, Poulter, they're, they're all decent here. I, it's just I don't have a lot of interest in that. Maybe Keegan with the 7%, 5% ownership. But his course history here is not very good. Three missed cuts and one made cut with a 49th place finish. So not very high on that. Who I am high on, though, in this AK range, these last two plays, Benny on and Wyndham Clark. First of all, in the projection models, 7th and 11th, respectively, in terms of the course projection, 5th and 2nd. And, of course, the tournament style, 16th and 57th. The thing I love about Benny on, still coming in at single-digit ownership. When that's the case, you jump on Benny on. Now, if Benny on becomes chalk, 16, 17, 18% ownership. If he becomes chalky because other touts are talking about him, we shouldn't tip. <laughs> no, you don't play chalk Benny on. It, it just makes no sense. The guy's just too volatile of a player. Um, the upside's there, but you do know what you're getting into. I think he's going to be really popular, actually. You look at his course history, 4th, 36th, and 5th. 
if he gets upward to 18, 19, 20% owned, he's going to be a fade for me. Um, an ownership can't do it play. Right now, it's not looking that way just because of how weak this field is and, and people are going to maybe go that like a few 9K guys, 8K guys, and then go to that low 7 range with their with their normal build strategy. But the thing is, though, if he does sneak in there with that low ownership, he is a viable option. Wyndham Clark, kind of the same boat. Coming off two missed cuts, but 7th and 11th in the last two years, respectively. Averaging finish position of 8th place. Not the strongest approach player. So I do have uh, reservations about that, but can always turn it on. Um, I do like the course history here. Sometimes a guy just fits this track. So it, it's something to look at. Look at this ownership as it plays out. Not the best place in the world by any means, but still it makes sense for what we're looking at. Going down to the 7K range, this is really where a lot of choices need to be made. For me in the 7K range, it, it's it's JT Poston, Streelman, Varner, Wise, EVR, Luke List, Hoonley, Thompson, Naismith, Vegas, Ryan Moore, Sabatini, Patrick Rogers. Okay. All these other guys I'm going to fade. I am not going to play Phil Mickelson ever again in DFS unless they start doing a senior tour option. I'm just not. Um, I see a lot of people probably jumping back on the Knox train potentially. Maybe jumping on Brandon Wu, which makes sense. So these are potential ownership fades. I think HV3, if he becomes super chalky, is an option to fade as well. He's never had great success here. But let's start back up at the 79er range. Um, We'll go with uh, JT Poston. In terms of projections, 6th overall, 7th in my course projection, top 30 in my average style projections. You look at him in my confidence model, he does only rank 66. But the thing is, is that He's got decent course history here. You know, we talk about people and players and golfers. They just seem to like a certain golf course. And JT Poston at 7,900, 27, 36, and 35th in the last four years. I like it. 22nd of the players last weekend. JT is most definitely an option for you. Kevin Streelman. Kevin Streelman comes on off a missed cut at the players, but he's just an excellent approach player. He has not had great success here at the Honda Classic. 47th and 71st, respectively. But still, there there's upside there to see in Streelman. I think the one thing I am concerned about him is, is just that we haven't seen him play very well. At the Genesis, he played he finished 52nd, and you know, we saw him at 13th at the ATT uh, Pro Am. But other than that, it's very like inconsistent golf. And we always know how volatile that putter is. But the one thing I do love about Streelman is that if it does get windy and crazy wind this weekend, he fits the mold to be successful here. So hopefully a low-owned pivot play here in the 7K range. I think there's going to be a lot of people jumping all over the place. Again, if HV3 ends up becoming chalk, you fade him. You know what you're getting with him. He He's either going to be on or he's going to be off. But, you know, three straight made cuts, 61st of the players, API 21st. 62nd to Genesis. I do think the 21st of the API is respectable, but but the fact is for a player of HV3's caliber, <clears throat> has never really done too well here. But a guy I do like that I think is going to be another option where you need to potentially deviate, we'll see, is Aaron Wise. Aaron Wise is a good win player, so that's why I like him here. The problem is he's been awful in scoring in the last 12 rounds. And it's because his approach game is off. So because of those factors, I mean, 33rd 
an approach in the last 12 rounds, it it's concerning. I'm sorry, 53rd in the last 12 rounds. He's typically a better approach player. Don't get me wrong. But at 7,600, this is where I'll go down to EVR. If Varner and Wise are way too popular, I'm going to most definitely jump down to EVR here. He's going to be the sleeper. One tournament, one miscut. But then his most recent form, 57th at the Arnold Palmer, 37th at WGC Mexico. He's historically a great approach player, at least compared to the field, 25th in the last 50 rounds, 86th in the last 12 rounds. So kind of con, con, like contradictive to what I've been saying about like someone like Wise or HV3 or even someone like Poston. But still, I'm going to take that kind of upside with a guy with a similar chance and similar stature uh, in terms of win equity. Overall stat rank ranks 17th. Confidence model ranks number 24. My aggregate model ranks number 19. So I like EVR here is a pivot from those two if they end up chalky. Luke List, Kyung Hoon Lee, and Michael Thompson are not going to be popular this weekend. I highly doubt they're going to project well anywhere in terms of like popping on anyone's model. In fact, in my confidence model, only one of them, and that's List, ranks in the top 20. The others are in the two. The other two are in the top 65. In my overall stat model, you are curious because they rank in the bottom 50, 50th percentile. But looking at their course history, Luke List, 10th, 52nd, and 2nd with two missed cuts. Hoon Lee, 7th and 38th. Michael Thompson, 53rd, missed cut, 24th, 16th, and 57th. $7,500 players that you can fit in your lineups that immediately diversify your line building strategy. I love them. Going down to 7,300, Matthew Naismith, my favorite, everyone's favorite. If he gets love this week after burning so many people last week, I will be surprised. But still, at 7,300, he's a solid play, one of the best approach players in this field. 38th last year, coming off two missed cuts. And my overall stat model ranks number 37, and my confidence model ranks number 21. Surprisingly, though, Ryan Moore at 7,300 ranks fifth in my overall stat model. In the approach ranking, in the last 50 rounds, what's most important ranks 19th. Only played here once in 2018, finished 49th, but in the last six tournaments, appeared twice and made two cuts. 35th at the Players' Championship, 26th at the AT&T Pro-Am. Ryan Moore is only 7,300, coming in at single-digit ownership. So you want to deviate your lineups this weekend? You want to get different? It's very easy to do. Avoid the double-digit chalk if you can, and go to players like Ryan Moore. Again, another strong win player, another reason why I like him, especially coming into this weekend in this weather. Rory Sabatini... Patrick Rogers are the last two guys I'm going to mention in this 7K range. Again, Sob's always one of those like first round leader type of plays. No stats are necessarily popping, but when you look at the course history, Sabatini and Rogers both missed cuts in 2016 and 2017, but followed it up with top 30 finishes. So Sab's averaging uh, a 29th place finish, while Patrick Rogers is averaging a 28th place finish, and both are coming off made cuts at the Players Championship. So if you need to get down in the $7,200 range, I mean, there's a lot of guys down here that that we've been talking about recently. Keith Mitchell, who's won here before. Uh, Wierenski, Adam Long, Nick Taylor, if you want to mess with Canada again. Um, Like, 
go that route. That's fine. I just think they're going to be more popular options. I don't think they necessarily give you any more upside <clears throat> with the lone exception of someone like Chesy uh, or or Taylor, who, or even, you know, even, even Wierenski, who are, who are playing great in approach, but, but still, like, you need to really leverage ownership this week and kind of see where it all shakes out. Of course, they end up becoming a great place if they're single-digitly owned. I really do. So take a look at ownership at Fanshare Sports, and you'll be able to get the lowdown on that. But the next question, the better question is, who am I not going to play this weekend? No. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No. 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 Hell no. Can't do it. This is everyone's favorite, can't do it, double-digit ownership plays that we are going to fade. Not slightly fade, not underweight fade, but completely keep them out of the player pool. Out. Gone. Vamos. See you later. And the first one should not be a surprise if you are a listener to this show and how I often feel about golfers, old golfers, on hot streaks. First of all, Lee Westwood is $10,600. Lee Westwood is $10,600. Let me say that one more time. Lee Westwood is $10,600. His approach game right now is out of this world. And if that continues, he's going to win this tournament. And second place at the players, second place at the API. You look at the fact that he finished here fourth at the 2020 Honda Classic. But the fact is, it's $10,000, $600 Lee Westwood at double digit ownership. I can't do it. I can't do it. I do not see him coming up with three. Top five finishes in a row. I don't care how weak the field is. I know he's ranked high in the official world golf rankings. I can't do it. I can't buy that chalk. I can't. Now, if if he so happens to become single-digit chalk, I get it. Plan. And he's okay in the wind. He's not terrible. And realistically, Bermuda's his worst putting surface. To see him do so well last weekend with 6.2 strokes game putting which is not going to be substantial. It's not going to sustain. No way, no how. Lee Westwood can't do it. By the way, by the way, prior to these two finishes, the last time Lee Westwood finished in the top five on a PGA Tour event, last year's Honda Classic, fourth place. Before that, the year at the Open Championship overseas, finished fourth place. So Lee Westwood can't do it. The next player I'm going to mention, even though it's going to burn me this week, I bet, I'm willing to bet, is Chris Kirk. Chris Kirk, in my confidence model, ranks number nine. In my overall stat rattle, ranks number 30. In the approach model, ninth overall in the last 12th round, solid in the last 50 rounds. But the fact is, three missed cuts out of four attempts here at the Honda Classic with a 33rd place finish in 2018. He's in great form, 48th at the players, 8th at the API, 16th at the AT&T Pro-Am. But the fact is, 
I am not going to buy $9,000 Chris Kirk chalk when I can go elsewhere in 9K range and get leverage to the field. I know you don't need to leverage that much in PGA DFS, but still, these are can't-do-its. I think these are solid calls. Now, Martin Keimer, for whatever reason, my initial run-through is getting a lot of love in terms of ownership. I'm not seeing any stats here that are saying, like, hey, play me. I mean, other than his approach rank, you know, fifth in the last 12 rounds, he is a solid approach player, but a fourth place finish in 2017, a withdraw in 2018, and then 67th in, in, in 2019. We have not seen him over here in the States. So that to me is kind of like a red flag. Are you going to be ready to play this type of golf? We, we have seen him over in the European tour. I think recently his last, you know, his last five performances he played. Let's see, he played in uh, his last. His last one was February sixth at the Saudi, where he finished tied for 18th. So he hasn't played in a while. So the German, if he's going to be chalk and a guy who hasn't played competitive golf since early February, and that was overseas, I don't think I can buy that chalk. So Martin Keimer can't do it. And of course, we always fade and can't do 6K chalk. Right now, Peter Malnati looking at double-digit ownership at 6,900. <clears throat> if that stays, can't do it. And that's for any 6K golfer. Anyone. All right, let's do it. MGs, monsters and guarantees. Pillar. He is a monster. He is a monster. Miscut. Miscut. Martin Pillar. I guarantee he will make the cut. Martin Pillar. Miscut. Miscut. I guarantee he will make the cut. Martin Pillar. <laughs> a monster. I guarantee he will make the cut. This is the MG Monsters and Guarantee where we look at the 6K range and identify the players who are going to be single-digit owned that we feel can finish top 25 or higher. And we start straight at 6,900 with two particular golfers, one being John Huh. Well, yeah, Zach, he's your boy, and Jim Furick. First of all, Johnny Huh. Aggregate model, 41st. Confidence model, ranks 52nd. But the thing I like about him, he's a solid approach player. You look at his course history, very volatile. 14th, miscut. 24th, 59th, miscut in 2020. So we're not seeing a lot there that says confidence, right? But in the game, in the tournaments that he did make the cut, finished 32nd. We just need a little bit better of a finish, and he's going top 25 to help your lineups out. Of course, Jim Furyk missed the cut here last year, but 9th in 2019. 46th in 2018, some might argue that Furyk's too old. I don't think the course is that long. I think because of that, he can be successful here. Um, the question, though, I, I I worry about is can he do it over four rounds? So it's a risk going down in this 6K range, I think, especially with how weak the field is. But still, I think it's a risk worth taking. Now, there's a lot of names in between 6,900 and 6,500. Unfortunately, I don't have a lot of confidence in any of them to put them in the can't do it section, but I will mention some guys I like. Hoagie, of course, I always like him. Always like a little Hoagie. Um, I can't buy this Hendrick Stenson. I, I mean, he's just 
falling apart. But Duffner always shows up sometimes. Sepstraka shows up sometimes. I know some people love that guy. Guy can't putt, though. Of course, Duffner's course history here is possible. He's got incredible course history, but that could lead to double-digit ownership. So you've got a lot of decisions to make within this range. Schwartzel's always played well here in terms of the last two times, 17th and 16th respectively. Immediately says, play me as I can't do it. The problem is he's, he's coming off two missed cuts and his 62nd finish at the Genesis. So there's no guarantees there. But we are going to go down to 6,500 Stuart Sink and Scott Stallings. Both of them coming off missed cuts at the players. But still, you look at their course history. Between the two of them, only one missed cut. And that was by Stallings in 2016. Both have finished in the top 30 multiple times. No top 25 finishes, so they need to do a little bit better here. But I like their approach play solid enough. And of course, the putter can always get hot. In terms of their overall stat model, both rank in the top 35. In my confidence model, both rank in the top 40. And they project well here as well. Scott Brown is my final play here in the $6,500 range. And there are no stats that necessarily jump out to you, but the course history does. And if he comes in at single-digit ownership, he's a guy who's finished top 10 here and top 20th. So he's most definitely a key. I like the fact that he made the cut the Players' Championship. Granted, it was a 61st place finish, but that field was tough. It was tough. All right, other 6K guys. Oh, wait, we got one more. Jimmy Walker, 6,000. I don't normally go down here to 6,000, but you look at the course history, and it's pretty nice. Two top 25 finishes, one top 35 finish, and a 43rd plus a miscut in 2019. So he's most definitely an MG. No stats here are going to pop for him necessarily, but I do love his course history here. I, 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 do, I got a low projection for the weekend, but I think there's a lot of upside. So now, two guys I want to mention. I'm not putting them in the MG category, but I am putting them in play. And that's C.T. Pond and Hank Lebiota. Lebiota really is just kind of like one of those like gut calls. I have nothing to quantify it as a good play. I really don't. It's just like when you have that itch or that feeling. Um, if that's the truth, I wouldn't play it myself because I like arguing reason and rationale as to why you're going to play a guy who's $6,000. But either way, Hank Lebio to 6,000. I'll probably bet him top 20 just because of this weird feeling. And maybe the universe is speaking to me. I don't really operate in that realm, but still. Uh, last guy is CT Pond. We've seen mixed success here at the Honda Classic. 17th and 37th in 2018 and 2017, respectively, followed by two missed cuts. Right now, recent form, two missed cuts. And then he made the cut at the Genesis. Well, Genesis and the AT&T Pro-Am with a 65th place finish. Finish. That was the Workday Championship, not the Genesis. He does project well. Ranks uh, top 10 in my projections model. Top 10 in my overall stat model. And 34th in my confidence model. So you know what? We're going to add CT to an MG, man. 6,300. We're going to add him. Changing that blue color to yellow. He's an MG. Well, that's it. Let's wrap it up. Let's take it home. Oh, you men are all alike. Seven or eight quick ones, and you're off with the boys to boast and brag. You better keep your mouth shut. Oh, I think I love him. That's it. It's over. It's all over. That'll wrap up the cut lines breakdown of the Honda classic join us next week 
as we break down the WGC match play. Check out that show, guys, because there's lineup building strategy because people make suboptimal lineups. It's a bracket tournament, guys. Why would you roster players that are going to play each other in the first or second round? It makes no sense. Anyways, make sure you, you, you check in next week. We'll have it all broken down for you. Ready to roll. Want to give a special shout out and a special thank you to Fanshare Sports, PGA Tour, and Fantasy National. But most importantly, want to thank you, the listener, for spending your precious time with us. Sunday is yours. Have fun. Get that paper. It's just money, right? It's just money. Throw it in the pool. See what comes out of it. See what comes out of it. That's what Tommy D does. That's what uh, that's what my boy Raft does. That's what Rich does. It's what Eric Perez does. It's what they all do, man. All right. We'll catch you next week. Later.